walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, what's up, everybody? It's your boy. The hardest part of the ring. Better known, or I guess at this point, lesser known as Kyle. Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast, Progress Wrestling Chapter 15. Will slap my ass and call me Sally. Progress Wrestling, hopping across the pond once again to the uh, Electric Ballroom in the, I don't know, somewhere over there in the Europe's. And, uh, <laughs> so, no, it's funny, so... Actually, out front, I'll go ahead and uh, plug my guest for this show. Lovely guest had Ross from the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast joining me on this show. You might remember him from uh, a previous Progress Review, Chapter 9, and uh, had their boy Dom do a little ROH review, uh, All-Star Extravaganza. So great group of lads over there varying uh interests in wrestling they, they watch all sorts of wrestling as you will uh be able to tell through their podcast the wrestling should be fun podcast you can find that at wrestling should be fun.com but you can listen to wherever you listen to podcasts find their twitter and instagram in the description as well great follows on social media but i wanted to kind of lay that out out front because uh my guest ross was actually at this show which is pretty fun i mean i, I think he lived we talked about it on chapter nine, but I believe he lives just a few blocks away from this place, that lucky bastard. But uh, yes, and given what we saw on this show, I am peanut butter and jelly that he was at this show because it was a great show, chapter 15. Um, the main event in particular was, uh, it was insane. I mean, I think I even mentioned it in the episode, but it kind of gave me... I don't want to be too, you know, hyperbolic here, but it gave me attitude era kind of vibes at the end with just how how chaotic everything was and how like into it the crowd was, how hot it like dude, it was at this point progress is hitting on, on all cylinders and uh really enjoying it cuz apparently and we talk about it in the in the episode, but I guess it doesn't last forever, but we can enjoy it while while it lasts. Um, and you can enjoy it as well. You can hear me talk about it. And if you are uh, kind of just jumping in here at chapter 15, you can go to apronbump.com, go to the episodes tab, hit progress wrestling, and that'll bring you to all my progress episodes that I've covered thus far. So chapter one, 
through uh, here, chapter 15, and it has been a hoot of a time. But where did we leave off? Chapter 14. Well, we had Jimmy Havoc defend his, uh, his progress staff against Noam Dar. A little bit of a shady way, but he uh, retained it. Noam is having none of this. He was not happy with how he lost, so he wants revenge. We had the team of FSU, so the team of Mark Andrews and Eddie Dennis, defeated the London Riots to retain their uh, progress tag team titles, or the, uh, the, the severed shield kind of thing that represents the title. But I don't know what the fuck is going on with all these, these championships, but I, I need me some belts quickly. Will Ospreay is the Thunder Bastard. You know, he's the Thunder Bastard, <laughs> which essentially means he's the money in the bank, Mr. Money in the Bank. And now, now that I'm saying it out loud, Thunder Bastard is kind of less cringy than Mr. Money in the Bank when you really <laughs> think about it. But I lay all that out because the main event is an eight man tag team match careers versus titles. And we lay out the backstory in the episode, but it is a uh, is a definitely a hot build, hot match. And uh, hey, the rest of the show, pretty damn good as well, as always, for these progress shows, honestly. I mean, last chapter, you had Samoa Joe come in and beat Rampage in a pretty mediocre match. But hey, Rampage is back. And uh, I would say he recovers from it. And uh, he, he's in one of two number one contender matches on this show, a series of... Uh, Pretty entertaining triple threat matches on this show to crown two number one contenders. I know the math doesn't really uh, doesn't really compute there, but basically there's going to be a triple threat match at the next chapter with those two winners and the progress champion. That gets set up on this show. The Natural Progression Series also continues on as we have Pete Dunne versus Flash Morgan Webster. Yes, Pete Dunne is still Dynamite Pete. He is not the bruiser weight yet, but we talk about it in the episode, but uh, he starts to make some transitions in his style, which is really interesting to see. Really interesting to see a, a young Pete Dunn because it is a, <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's a beefy boy at this point and a bit of a scene kid as well. Oh yeah. And you know, Sin Cara makes an appearance on this show, but that's whatever. Uh, oh yeah. Sting is here. You know, the man called Sing. Yeah, he's here. And uh, <laughs> just by the way, you know, it's fine. And uh, we get what Ross describes as uh, the best promo work in British wrestling thus far in the history of British wrestling. I don't know how. Did that make sense the way I just said it? Probably not. Uh, but we talk about how British wrestling isn't really known for their promos, but we get a really significant one on this show that sets up a pretty big match on the next chapter. So a lot happening on the show is what I'm trying to say. So let's get into it. Progress Wrestling, Chapter 15, with myself and Ross from the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. But yeah, man, once again, thank you for coming back on here. Uh, talk a little Progress Wrestling. Uh, did you get a chance to watch the show? I did, yeah. Um, I watched it this morning. Um, we'll go into it later, but yeah, very much enjoyed it. It was um, it's nice to go back and remember how fun and wild um, Progress was. At the start. Yeah. That's a, you know, I think, because a lot of people have said that to me. When do you think progress started to kind of like lose its steam, like chapter wise? Um, it's hard for me to say. 
an exact chapter, but I think mm-hmm. once like a ballpark. I think once it became more about the cool indie guys that they could book. Right. Rather than um like actually making stories. I think that was when it started to become a little bit like we were massively spoiled, I think. And mm-hmm. there was um, way more chapters per month than previous. And we were a bit like, yeah, it's good, but, you know, we're, we're pretty tired. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds kind of similar to NXT in a way. Like they kind of, for a while, they kind of got away from the characters and the storylines. Plus, on top of that, adding an extra hour. Yeah. And it feels like it became like too much yeah. when like the magic of it was like, oh, it's kind of this unique thing that we only got a taste of every single week. It, that seems like what yeah. progress kind of turns and into. And actually watching it back, it was such a breeze to watch because they cut out all the entrances. They didn't have the Jim Smallman mm-hmm. at the start. And it felt like it was such a hot ticket in town that they were like, let's show everything on the later chapters. So you so like you watch um the later chapters and you have and you have to sit and watch the entrances sit and watch the uh 25 minute uh-huh. start by Jim Smallman and it showed to the people that couldn't be there like yourself i guess from over the pond yeah like it was highlighting exactly what it was like t- to be there but also <clears throat> it kind of took away the, like the kind of instantaneousness of like this show where it was just bang 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 match 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 mhm yeah, yeah, I agree with you. This this was such an easy watch. Um, like you said, it's action, action, action. And um, yeah, we last spoke uh, when we were reviewing Chapter 9, I believe it was. Yes. Um, what did you... Because th- I think Chapter 9, they were still in the garage yeah. or the garage. Yeah. You guess <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, now that they're in the electric ballroom, it's like production-wise, it's improved leaps and bounds yeah. just within a few chapters. I remember that we um, spoke about the sticks match in particular, where I think it was him and Cruz. They were just fighting in the, in the crowd at the garage and you couldn't mm-hmm. see anything. Whereas right. for, for example, the main event eight man, most of the action takes place outside the ring and the lighting lets you actually see the action, which is yeah. <laughs> novel idea, right? You can actually see what's going on. <laughs> Man, we'll get into the main event when we get to it. But if if that would have been such a bummer if you couldn't see what was happening, because that was pretty much the whole match. Yeah, um, <laughs> I was actually at this show. Um, Were you? I was in the corner, stood up, and yeah, couldn't see much of the action unless it was in the ring. But um, we'll, but we'll, but but we'll talk about it later. But the big kind of bump in that match, I was underneath it, which was amazing. Oh, did you catch him? No, no, I. Oh. I I'm a massive um, Miz fan, so I just left it. <laughs> <laughs> just got out of Dodge. I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, so chapter 15. Uh, and like I said, we last spoke about chapter nine, and that's the show where uh, Jimmy Havoc turned heel. Um, still probably the most pivotal chapter up to this point, in my opinion, just because yes. that started his whole reign of terror, and that's still uh, going on. At this point, I guess like almost a year later, about, um, and since then, Jimmy Havoc he's you know defended the defended the the staff a few times, and uh, he's started to build a faction around him uh, called Regression. Uh, I don't know how uh, 
doesn't seem like it's going to last that long. Once again, we'll get to it in the main event with how that all played out. But um, so that's basically the main event, as you mentioned. And that's kind of what the whole show is built around is an eight man tag. And it's a titles versus career match. So, um, yeah, that'll uh, be coming up in the main what event. The um, opening promo, um, the like video package. I liked it. That's, you know, like I, we said, like the production has been improving. And I think that kind of. Uh, lends itself to in the video packages too. Like I know in like the first couple chapters, there weren't really much of a. Uh, it was pretty much you like turn it on and it's match yeah, yeah. like right <laughs> away. Um, but this the video package here, it was you know it's not WWE quality or anything, but it was solid. It just told the story of exactly what you needed to know. If like obviously I was I was at the show and I followed progress at the time, but mm-hmm. as someone like yourself who was just following it years later. You could switch this on and having not seen uh, chapter 14 in some time, you could easily be like, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. this is what's happening. Um, And I loved the kind of overdub where it was saying about, like, we all have secrets. We all hide our real selves. And at the time, there was real talk about, okay, so who's going to turn on who in this big eight man? Mm -hmm. Because obviously, Jimmy Havoc was building his stable and wrestling being wrestling. There's always a turn, right? Right. So, always, um, so like in amongst the progress fans, there was very much like, I think it's going to be Dennis or I think it's going to be Andrews or all that sort of stuff. So yeah, like the the promo was released like the week previous to the show and it was mm-hmm. a massive hype thing for us that were like actually at the show. We were like so hyped for that eight man tag and it showed it with the um, crowd reactions. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even when they set it up in the previous chapter, I was like, man, that sounds like a like a belter of a match. I can't wait for that. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, that the intro package, it lays out the story. So last chapter, uh, Noam Dar lost the title match to Jimmy Havoc. Um, lots of shenanigans involved in that interference and all that. And a few chapters ago, uh, Will or uh, Paul Robinson turned on Will Ospreay because they were formerly a tag team. Uh, Paul Robinson turned heel on Ospreay. Hit, beat him up with a chair, and then later in the show, he cost Mark Andrews his world title match. Um, and then FSU and L- the London Riots have been going at it. Yeah. FSU beat the London Riots to become the first ever tag team champions. Uh, I can't remember if we discussed this last time, but do you know what FSU stands for? Um, <laughs> we did talk about it last time, and we weren't too sure. But, you know, FSU... You didn't do your research? No. It just sounds good, right? <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. You had you had six chapters to figure it out. I'm so disappointed in you. But <laughs> I'll I'll allow it this time. But next time when you're whatever, chapter twenty something, you better if have the, it right. If the um SummerSlam twenty twenty two does happen in Wales, I I promise that I'll look into it. <laughs> <laughs> High stakes. High stakes. Um but yeah, so it cuts uh after that video package. Uh, to the first match. So we got Martin Kirby and Doug Williams versus Screw Indie Wrestling, the team of Shaw Samuels and Mark Haskins. Uh, it's fine. I don't know if you saw this, but recently uh, there was like an interaction on Twitter between Martin Kirby and Doug Williams. They were like, Martin was like, man, my one dream match that I have left is against Doug Williams. We've never had a match together. Um, and then here they are tagging together. So I guess yeah. they've been on the same team, but haven't faced each other really. Yeah, I'm assuming, if my memory serves correctly, that this was supposed to be Project Ego, and sadly, Trav was starting to go through his issues. At this right. Point. 
So I think that's the reason that um, Williams is in this match. Um, yeah. In some of the early chapters, but I think it's, it, this is his first ballroom show. Yeah. Yeah, I think Martin, Martin Kirby had like a short match at the last chapter. Um, but yeah, like you said, with Project Ego no longer, no longer being a thing at this point, which I don't even know if I realized it last time <laughs> we <laughs> recorded. I was like... I think I was, I was, oh, Project Ego. Yeah, they're probably still going today. What a great tag team. I can't wait till they get to the WWE, but God damn it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> super sad. But um, and then screw indie wrestling. Um, oh, my God. Who's the other guy that was a part of this? Nathan Cruz. Do you know what happened to him? Does he come back at, at all? Is he? I think he might be injured or something at this point. Um, he does come back, which I'm very happy about as I'm a big Cruz fan and um yeah he plays a pretty big part in, in the next few chapters so if if you're a fan of him then that's great news for you but if not then mm-hmm. then sorry <laughs> then fuck off <laughs> no i do like nathan cruz um i thought he definitely was a standout guy uh amongst all like the comedy and all the silliness like he was he definitely stood out in a good way yeah definitely someone that can handle the microphone which is for sure that, um British wrestling is not known for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, other than, you know, Mark Haskins out here, he he's, seems like a, a pretty good promo himself. Yeah, he was doing the kind of um, what about me? <laughs> yeah, that was like, uh, are we getting the flock out of this? Is that, <laughs> is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah. What about the star attraction? <laughs> what's what's Mark Haskins up to nowadays? It's, it's, it's weird that he hasn't popped up somewhere more mainstream. Um, He's currently wrestling for Rev Pro and some other British indies. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he's still got an ROH contract. I hope he does because he's he's brilliant. But um, yeah, he's currently yeah, he's great on the Rev Pro scene. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's great. I mean, I'm an American, so if you're not in WWE or AEW, you're not wrestling. So <laughs> that's yeah, exactly much how that right. goes. <laughs> <laughs> and Vince, uh, Vince has really taught you well, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Daddy Vince. He he tells me what's good wrestling. <laughs> they tell stories after all i don't know if you've heard story. Uh, <laughs> uh can you before this match gets underway can you explain to me who fireman sam is okay i thought this that this was going to come up um <laughs> <laughs> so fireman sam is a is a children's cartoon character who's exactly as it says on the turn he's a fireman and he's called sam oh okay um and jim smallman on commentary played it off that it was like it's breaking bad, which obviously is not true, but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I asked. Cause I love breaking bad. So I was like, man, I should probably check out this fireman Sam, but uh, from what you're telling me, I should probably avoid it at all costs. <laughs> please do. Please, please check it out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, like you said, Jim Smallman brought it up because uh, Shaw Samuels, who's still going at it in uh, NXT UK, it looks pretty much the same here as he does now. With the yeah. stupid fucking suspenders. I hate the suspenders. I don't know about you, um, but they're awful. So the suspenders, when I first started watching Shah Samuels matches, played a big part where he would take them off and strangle his opponent, and it played a part in the match. I don't think it really played a part in this match, other than people chanting at him that um, to um, do his brace back up because it fell off. <laughs> yeah that's every match i've seen of his like a suspender falls off and then it's like trailing behind him and it like gives me such anxiety like dude just take them off we don't need them <laughs> so it's like i don't know man they, they were uh the crowd was calling him a dickhead and then he was like jerking his head off which is good fun 
yeah. good fun. Good, good, yeah. good family fun there. Yeah, that was when um, he took, I think it was Kirby outside the ring and uh, got some nice hill heat. Um, it like yeah. even at the start of this show, obviously this is the first match, and the, and and you can just tell how much the crowd are invested in each of the wrestlers. It's just great. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's pretty rare sometimes now that you watch wrestling that that's the case. Um, I just recently watched the NXT 2.0 show from yesterday, and it's mm-hmm. got a little bit of that feel actually, where the crowd are just invested in people, which is great, right? Like, yeah, um, no, I noticed that too. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. I absolutely love the fact that in this match, um, Haskins obviously is is probably the standout wrestler in terms of this match, in terms of what he's doing in the ring. Yeah. Uh, he's not getting over in terms of, okay, he's good at wrestling because in, interspersed with, with, with all the good moves that he's doing, he's also doing the bullshit kind of kick, like getting out of submissions by scratching people's eyes and doing the kind right. of the elbow rubs and all that sort of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's what I loved about this match was just that it wasn't, that it wasn't anything to set the room on fire. And that's not particularly what you want from a, yeah. match, um, really. Um, and then you'd also got the, um, the heels winning by having the feet on the ropes. So yeah, for me, this was just a really solid tag that got the mm-hmm. crowds into the show and we move on to something a bit more fun. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I, I said the same thing. It's just very solid. A solid is a good word. Like you said, it didn't, you know, it's not a five star, you know, in the Tokyo Dome kind of deal. But <laughs> um, one thing I did note is that, you know, Shaw Samuels and Mark Haskins, I love their cohesion as a team because oftentimes you'll watch a tag team match and it'll just feel it'll, it'll feel like a series of singles matches. Yeah. But in this match, Samuels and Haskins uh, did a good job of kind of working together. Uh, there was one point. Um, I believe where uh, like Samuels is on the outside and he grabs, I think, Martin Kirby who's standing on the inside that allows Haskins to hit an enziguri. So he's kind of trapping him there. And then the finish, like you said, it was a feet on the ropes kind of deal. But um, that was set up when uh, Doug Williams was going for the chaos theory. And then uh, I believe it was uh, I think it was was Samuels that hold held Haskins to prevent that chaos theory from being executed. And then the roll up occurred after that feet on the ropes. Uh, Samuels helped Haskins with that as well. So good heel like tactics coupled with tag team kind of cohesion between the two. Yeah. Um, and Kirby and looks, looks good. Um, that this is the first match, of course. And already you've got the ref, the uh, ref Chris Roberts being absolutely rubbish at his job. <laughs> These refs, man, they, uh, <laughs> Man, the sun was beating in his eyes. It was a whole thing, you know. Yeah, so many two on ones, but with like the other person from the face team c- coming in and him being like, you can't get in the ring, and everyone just being yeah. like, Roberts! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, they finally let the, uh, I can't remember if this happened at chapter nine or not, but he his voice cracked one time, yeah. and yeah, then yeah. they just never let it go. <laughs> poor chris roberts man oh but uh yeah solid match doug williams also just gotta know that doug williams looked really good i mean i'm not breaking any ground saying that doug williams is good but like at this point in his career this is after tna and all that but he's still great shape and moving around really well yeah it was it was strange actually because i thought that um during the match actually being there live as well and I was assuming that he would get a lot more bookings and 
it was something like two more years since like since this match that he gets booked on mm-hmm. progress. I'm not entirely sure why, but um, really, like not the best fit. Once we moved to the ballroom, that mm. Williams didn't quite fit the progress mold, maybe. But it seems a shame because, as you say, like he's just an absolute stalwart, isn't he? Yep, and uh, still going today. Recently uh, unretired, I guess, and uh, big Doug Williams guy. But uh, after that, we have a natural progression series semifinal match: Flash Morgan Webster versus Pete Dunn. Not the bruiserweight, dynamite Pete Dunn. Hint, hint, Tony Khan. Yeah, <laughs> it's a precursor. It's a precursor <laughs> to a. Uh, Oh man, yeah. What goes through your mind? Because like Pete Dunn here, he is um he is not the Pete Dunn that people know and love today. He he almost looks like what Flash Morgan Webster looks like today. Like well, Pete Dunn almost looks like he could be a part of subculture in NXT yeah. UK. Yeah, yeah. He was um he was definitely a scene kid as a teenager. Pete Dunn <laughs> for sure. Oh the the gauges the yeah the, the Justin Bieber hair. Oh it's all the cargo pants. The flesh. It's uh tunnels. As yeah well, in his ears it's, yeah <laughs> he's a pretty cool guy right he's pretty cool <laughs> i like him uh, <laughs> uh flash morgan webster pretty much the same kind of deal here yeah um but i'm assuming that you didn't necessarily get the um jokes at the start where where um webster was called a bus wanker no yeah could you can you please explain <laughs> that to me so in england there's a pretty popular comedy show which is based around kind of 16 year old kids um called the in-betweeners and it's four characters that kind of fall through the later years of their school life to mm-hmm. like and fucking up in their love lives and all that sort of stuff that people love and there's a um scene in that where they drive past a bus station and one of the guys rolls out his window and says bus wankers <laughs> to these uh people bus wankers <laughs> i mean and, um so webster looks a bit like that um that character from the show um so yeah p- people just latched onto it <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a pretty deep cut so but now, now that i know the context i'll go back and watch it because i'm sure that'll so, add to it so did you also um notice that um webster was kind of wearing what well, can only think of as kind of Scotty Flamingo pants. <laughs> he looked like, not. Ray, like from like 92, right? In those pants. Did he? I thought he wrestled it in trunks. Well, like pants, like pants in the UK is trunks. But yeah. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> see, we're, we're all learning. We're all learning. It's a, it's a cultural melting pot here on the apron bump. <laughs> but I think that um, by and large, Flash's character is pretty much there. Apart from the fact that he's wearing pink pants. Um, <laughs> in terms of what you now see him in, like mm-hmm. he still had the crash helmet. Um, he's still had the mod haircut. Mm-hmm. He does all the same moves pretty much. He probably does a bit more high flying stuff in this match than he does now. Um, he does a few more strikes and things now um, on NXT UK. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you say, dynamite Pete Dunn still massively finding himself. His body type is way different here as well, isn't it? Um, he's, um, yeah. and they mentioned that on commentary about how Pete Dunne's got the power, um, whereas now he's like fully vegan and mm-hmm. um, and his body type's a bit different now. But um, 
There's a, but there's small little signs that Pete Dunne, in terms of his move set, is starting to find himself because previous right. to this chapter, um, he was doing a lot more moves that um, Webster was doing, so like a lot more high flying stuff. Right. There's, yeah. But in this match, you could start to like see this the kind of birth of Bruiserweight character with he tries to do a few kind of um, like limb work moves, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, like in particular, I'm thinking about the kind of the the, the did he do the um the like stamp on the feet? I think um, he did. Yeah, yeah, and they did like the um did he do it like a few more submissions? I'm pretty sure that he did. Like I've made a note here that even though he's still trying to do the kind of high flying stuff, Webster in this match is so much better at that sort of yeah. stuff, and it really shows. And it's and it's actually a wise move, I think, that that Dunn moved away from it because. If he carried on just trying to be this like cruiserweight, um, I, don't, I don't think that he would have been as anywhere near a biggest a success as he was. No, agreed. Yeah, he had a match at Chapter Thirteen uh, against Robbie X, and and that match specifically, he was very high flying. I think I even mentioned that when I reviewed it. He was very like he did like the Spider Man spot in the ropes. He was flipping all over the place, going to the top rope and all that. And he does, he does a little bit of that in this match, but it's definitely, like you said, it's it's more akin to the bruiserweight character that we see today. Yeah. And it sets him apart because, by and large, the British scene was sort of blokes that were five foot ten and, and, and flippy. Yeah, even on this card, there, there's a ton of those guys. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it sets him apart. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, this match is, uh, it was kind of a short match, but it was dense with action and, yeah. and that's kind of what these natural progression matches, I guess are designed to do is these young up, up and comers gives them a chance to kind of showcase what they can do. Not designed to be a, uh, you know, a 60 minute, you know, bell to bell kind of deal. Yeah. But, um, from a booking thing though, like it's, it's the first match here, here where it's, um, face v face. And that's something that happens quite a lot in this card. And I think a kind of sprint match, in that circumstance mm-hmm. where they're just trying to outdo each other is perfect. Cause if yeah. you try and implement psychology into a face to face match, sometimes it kind of sets the crowd apart and they have to pick a side. Whereas right. this sort of match where it's just you do a move, I'll do a move. You kick out, I'll kick out. <laughs> like, yeah, I think every card kind of needs that. Like I've noticed that in my ring of honor rewatch, there's always like at least a match or two where it's like a scramble match. And it's literally just there to, for the fancy moves, like to get the crowd, like, Oh, just to, to show how impressive our moves are. And like, as, as time goes on, like I, that used to really annoy me, those kind of matches, but now it's like, whatever, it's fun. Like I get yeah. it. You want to showcase what these guys can do and the crowd is into it. So yeah, no harm in that really. Especially, you know, like you said, when it's structured within the card with when you have like psychology stuff, um, and the, and the other matches on the card. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, just, I mean, this, this match was pretty much full tilt from the get go. You have Webster springboarding everywhere. He hits a double springboard, uh, her and Kanrana onto Dunn hits like a, a, a rampage DDT. I guess that's what I associated with, yeah. with the, the, the move that page used to do. Yeah. Um, you got Pete Dunn throwing out these huge brain busters. Um, got webster he goes for a plancha on the outside this is a like the crowd went nuts for this webster did like a flip over the top rope pete dunn catches him and then hits him with a brutal power bomb on the apron 
throws him right in the ring and then hits a huge bitter end, but only for a two count. I guess the bitter end isn't his finisher at this point, which so that that really I bit on that one because that was like yeah, one yeah. of the most devastating bitter ends I've ever seen followed that followed that powerbomb on the apron. I was like, there's no way Webster's going to kick out of this. Yeah, that bitter end almost looked a bit like when um, Brock did the F5 on Spike. Yeah, <laughs> just like went up in the air like a tornado. Um, the have a uh, Webster kind of fights back. He goes for a 450, but misses. Uh, Pete Dunn hits a fireman's carry gut buster on a Webster, then a huge like Liger power bomb. Um, Pete Dunn <laughs> follows that up with a tombstone for a two count. It's like, God, you can't kill this, this Flash Morgan <laughs> Webster guy. He's just taking a beating in there. Um, Webster. At this point, when he kicked out of that tombstone, was when the crowd started to pick a side because people were like, "God, this this like Flash is just showing such heart," and like they started to kind of side with Webster at that point. I felt. Yeah, yeah, I agree for sure. Uh, Webster hits a a crazy springboard poison rana onto Pete Dunn, dumps him right on his head, and then he follows it up with a four fifty onto the back of Pete Dunn and gives Webster the win. So, and this is all within, I don't know how long this match was, maybe seven or eight minutes. Yeah, it, it, like it like it was the quickest eight minutes of my life. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was crazy fun to watch and really interesting to see these guys uh, like in the early iterations of their career, for sure. Yeah. How do you think that um, Flash has done like since, like ha- having seen him here, do you think that he's kind of like where he should be? Or do you think that he could or should have been a bigger thing? Um, I think I, I think I like where he is now uh, teaming with Mark Andrews. I think they got a pretty good deal uh, going on there. I think um, I think like in recent years, like when I first cause I, I, I didn't know of him until uh, that first tournament that WWE did, the UK tournament or whatever it was. Maybe it might have been the second one. I think it was the second. Yeah. So I, I wasn't really that huge a fan of him in the beginning. Um, nothing really stuck out to me other than the fact they just came out with a helmet. And I was like, <laughs> me an American, I'm like, what does it mean to be a mod? What is mod? What is mod? Uh, there's, a, there's a place by me called Mod Pizza. So he's like, okay, is he like a, a pizza uh, maker? Yeah, he's like a Tony D'Angelo here. So maybe that's who he is. <laughs> but, um, for you, that, that uh, he was the pizza guy, right? <laughs> yeah, he was the pizza guy for the longest time. I was like, why is he delivering pizza on a bike? Is that why he has a helmet? It, I was very confused. So, and my <laughs> tiny little brain couldn't comprehend it. So I'd kind of tune out of his matches. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I do like, like I feel like his style. You said earlier that his style has kind of evolved to more strike base, even though he does do a lot of high flying still. Yeah, I feel like the the all the knees and stuff that he does, the kicks. One of my favorite knees. In wrestling, I think he's got great timing on that. Dude, that double team that him and Andrews do where Andrews will hit a reverse Rana and then as uh, Webster hits the knee, it's incredible. I I love them as a team. I think um, that the best that he's ever looked probably and to the biggest level was probably that um, NXT that he had against Riddle and Dunn. Oh, yeah? I think it was in the Cup that they do that like yearly cup. I don't remember that. Was it the uh, world's yeah, collide yeah. thing? No, no, it was just on NXT. It was like, is, what's the cup that, um, Oh, the, the dusty cup. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> oh, yeah. I forgot. I forgot he was in that. I believe you, yeah, but I, I forgot he was in that. The year that riddle and 
um, done one. I think they beat them in the first round and it's just an absolute barnstormer. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, like I said, as a team, I love them. And yeah, Webster and Dunn looked pretty good here. Um, so I guess Webster moves on to the, I think it's the final. Yeah, the finals he moves in, into. I forget. I think that I think that might be the first semifinal match that's it occurred. So, um, But uh, after that, we get everybody's favorite, Sticks. I bloody love Sticks. And I know that we spoke <laughs> in uh, Chapter 9. Um, podcast our wrestling should be fun um friend brum does not like sticks but i'm gonna right put my uh flag in the ground again and say that sticks is <laughs> i couldn't remember if it was you or him that hated him but uh <laughs> i'm glad you're, you're on the, the sticks bandwagon here that, that makes me yeah. happy uh, <laughs> but uh so sticks versus pastor william ever who is uh, Jesus for anybody listening? Yeah. Basically, Jesus wearing trunks. Did you is also who get is. the, the uh, pun that, like, like the word Bill is short for William, so he's a believer? Oh, God. Come on, guys. <laughs> that stinks. I hate it. <laughs> believer. Oh, God. You, you just ruined Pastor William Ever for me. I'm going to have you know this. <laughs> that is pretty clever actually that is pretty clever um yeah this match there's not a lot to this match really the crowd pretty much <laughs> hijacked this match which yeah. you have jesus in there and you have sticks on the other side it's like h- how are you not gonna <laughs> let the crowd just overcome you with this what was your favorite chant? thou shall flip thou shall flip <laughs> and then he like then Ever teases like a planche over the top rope and then he just doesn't do it. Like what a <laughs> yeah, great yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. When he slides on onto his knees instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any other chants stick out to you? Um, I was always a big fan of just um let's go Jesus, Jesus sucks. <laughs> <laughs> this uh something feels wrong about that. I'm not sure what it is, but uh <laughs> I also quite enjoyed it when they would sing um You Only Work. You only work on the Sabbath. Work on the Sabbath. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big religion guy, and I think there's also a lot of very uh, British kind of references during this. Ma- I don't know. Yeah, there's but, a lot. Um... <laughs> You're absolutely right in that um, the crowd did hijack this. Um, I think people were just like trying to think of more fun Jesus puns and Jesus <laughs> chants rather than watching the match. Um, but actually, like I tried to kind of just kind of block that out um, and actually mm-hmm. try and figure out if this match actually had any psychology. And I think I found some, I think. Tell me, because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was unable to identify it. <laughs> okay. So in my estimation, this, uh, this match um, is where sticks um, starts to basically question himself a little bit. So you've got right. all the crowd stuff. You've got the crowd playing along. And sticks at the start is playing along and like st- like is asking the crowd to like sing louder and things like that. Uh-huh. Then you get some back and forth stuff, just like the grapples, and Eva gets the best of it. So uh, sticks rolls out to the outside. And he's kind of like, "Fuck, man! Like, I need to get into this." So then he comes back in the ring with a different attitude of like, uh-huh. "I'm not about this kind of like face v face fun time thing. Like, I'm in progress. Yeah. I need to get the win." So he starts to take the match and actually like starts to just kind of do some like ground and pound and things like that. Mm-hmm. 
And then he goes up to the second rope, something that I don't think Sticks should ever do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, gets pushed off because someone says something to him, like whilst he's on the rope and he uh-huh. sells it and he like, like leans in almost saying like, what? And then that gives Eva the, the chance to kind of knock him off the rope. And then he, he then has a switching mentality again, where he seems to weirdly go into kind of Mike Awesome mode and he's starting to do like cross bodies across the ring, the sent on over the top rope. Yeah. All that sort of stuff that's not really sticks. And it seems to be a bit like this match was outlined psychology, like psychology wise to be like, he doesn't quite know where he is in progress. Uh-huh. Like, is he a fun time guy? Is he a, uh, Hoss guy, is he going to be a hybrid? And he doesn't quite know where he is, and he ends up eating uh-huh. the pin. Right. And then, like, the last scene, after you get um, Eva doing the, the fun thing where um, he wins by a clothesline from heaven, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. He won, he won by a oh, crucifix no, pin. Crucifix. You're right. This is after, by the way, he attempted a cross power bomb. Yes, of course he did. But then the crucifix uh, gives Jesus the win. So, <laughs> of course. So yeah, like, like the match obviously wasn't amazing, and the crowd weren't invested at all. But mm-hmm. I was purposely being like, I'm going to try and make sticks look good here, and try and find something. <laughs> and I think I found it. Um, I think it's like a match here that plays into what happens later in the show where yes. Sticks can't quite figure out what he is in this modern mm-hmm. world where he's a veteran and the industry is changing and he doesn't want to be passed by, but he doesn't quite know how to go about it. And right. yeah, like this match tried to like show that where, yeah, he tries to be the kind of fun time guy. Then he tries to be the host guy, tries to be a bit of a hybrid and none of it works. Um, and then he's just a sad panda at the end. <laughs> sad panda sticks no yeah that's i think you're 100 right especially with what happens later which we'll get into but yeah like when i just saw the match in a vacuum i was like oh that's kind of just a a filler match but yeah especially again with the context of what happens later in the show that's absolutely right because sticks you know ever since the beginning of progress like he started out as a heel just as yeah. big you know like you said a hoss kind of guy and then kind of gradually he would like play with the crowd a little bit more and more every match or every uh, every chapter he was on. And then he kind of became like a comedy guy at one point. He's like a full comedy guy that just happened to be big, just yeah. a lovable, lovable panda kind of guy. And then now he's like, wait a minute, I'm losing my matches. Like, yeah. it's OK, it's fun. But like, seriously, can I, can I win a match, please? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like that bottling that up. Yeah. To where it's going to going to eventually burst and it bursts. Uh, again, later in the show, but, um, and it's actually kind of, um, reality meets fiction a little bit where Mm -hmm. like the crowd being so just kind of like, this is just a bit of a joke and we're just going to have a bit of time off and just make like, like make chance throughout the match and not be that invested in the match. It kind of plays into what stick psychologically was feeling like Mm -hmm. kayfabe. So actually the crowd acting the way that it did actually fell perfectly into what they were going for. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like, you know, throwing a guy that looks exactly like Jesus into a match, you can pretty much bet on the crowd, you know, taking advantage of that. Yeah. Uh, so to speak. But, um, yeah, I think, yeah, especially with the way you put it, I think that ended up perfectly, uh, how they intended to. Um, but after that, 
we have a triple threat match. So on this on this card, there are two triple threat matches, and the two winners of these matches will go on to face the champion in a triple threat match on the next card. Uh, so this is one of two number one contender matches on this card, basically. So this one is Rampage Brown versus Zack Sabre Jr. versus Party Marty Skrull. Uh, he's still going by Party Marty, but he does not look like he's definitely transitioning into the villain here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's even got um, the word villain on the back of his pants. I mean, that's if you don't believe me, just look at his ass like <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> it's got the jacket, uh, the hair. I think he even has a cane and all that. Um, yeah. So definitely like an in-between of his gimmicks. But um, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because we've now seen quite a lot of wrestlers and the only real heels that we've seen are Haskins and Samuels because even in this match Marty plays the heel but it doesn't but like we'll go into it in this match but like he doesn't really become the heel until kind of late on he plays the kind mm-hmm. of like comedy heel which people love right it's almost like villain's supposed to be uh, ironic I guess because he's not really a villain but he looks like a villain I guess is what he's going for well my kind of taking it was that like he, like as you say, he is transitioning from Party Marty to the villain, mm-hmm. and it's almost like this match is almost where it happens because at the start he is, he's just he's just Party Marty and he's just trying to have a good time, he's trying to make the crowd laugh. Um, he also goes back to obviously the leaders of New School tag team with Zack Saber Junior here, mm-hmm. which and Zach's, Zach and Zach's a big face, so he plays into that kind of almost Lex Luger with Sting territory where like yeah, I'm still yeah. a nice guy sort of thing um yeah and then later in the match he kind of turns on zach and becomes the villain so it's almost like we kind of see the birth of it in this match yeah yeah as like there's a lot of uh comedy in this match which it's is funny. why like to your point there's no real heel even rampage who previously was a heel he joined uh screw indie wrestling he beat uh Ligero, i believe it was for the title um, he was this big badass heel on top of the company, and then he's kind of transitioned. It's one of those deals where the crowd—he's just too cool for the crowd to boo. Um, yeah. So the crowd's really gotten behind Rampage at this point, and like you said, Zach Saber Junior. Uh, crowd's really behind. He's killing it in Japan at this point, and then uh, then you got Marty there, and uh, like you said, the leaders of the New School, which is a team of Zach Saber Junior. and Marty Skrull, um, they kind of play into that in this match. To kind of they team up to try to take down uh the bigger rampage brown and uh <laughs> they like both they like take turns trying to like clothesline rampage like throwing shoulder blocks at him but he's not budging they take turns and then they like both go at the same time and then yeah. they <laughs> get I, I forget if it's chris roberts or not but they, they point at the referee yeah, it is roberts. yeah. and they, they hey chris you you take a turn and then Chris Roberts <laughs> goes for a shoulder block himself and it just gets obliterated and he just runs right into Rampage and does like five backflips and yeah blows his shoulder out. It's a whole thing. Crowd chants you deserve it, Adam, which he did. <laughs> I guess like what do you expect? Um, that's honestly a big chunk of this match. It's like Zach and Marty trying to like overcome Rampage. Uh, they, they finally do a double shoulder block, which kind of backs up Rampage a little bit. Uh, but then Rampage just follows it up with a double suplex on the both of them. So it's like, well, fuck me, Rampage. I guess you're going to kill both of us. 
in that small ring at Progress, like I don't know the exact dimensional of that ring, but it's nowhere near a WWE or NXT ring. And yeah, and and, and some of the intricacies were, were like the crossovers with the leapfrogs and the drop downs with two people in the like to, to like do it twice. Like the timing That's of it crazy. was unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the chemistry between Marty and Zach, they're a tag team, obviously, and they've had great matches against each other. And um, yeah, like you said, like, I, I can't explain it with words what happened, but like like you said, it's like leapfrogs, drop downs, but like with three of them. So yeah. try to picture that in your head. You're like, <laughs> in a ring that's, man. Like, that's like eight foot. <laughs> yeah, I think a WWE ring is 20 by 20, and this is probably maybe 16 by 16. I'm not really sure, but that's a huge difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so really impressive stuff when it comes to that. Uh, the leaders of the new school eventually kind of overcome Rampage a little bit. There's a point where Marty is holding Rampage in a camel clutch. So Zach gets like a head of steam and kicks him right in the face. Rampage, he kicks Rampage. And then they kind of alternate. So Zach is holding Rampage. And Marty tries to build up steam. He hits the ropes, hits the other ropes, hits the ropes, hits the ropes, hits the ropes. Hits the and so he just he does that for like two minutes straight and then uh, I don't even does he actually end up kicking him or does he just like so he chooses to kick Zach and that's the turning point. There it is. Yeah, yeah. there it is. Um, I was worn out by watching him run back and forth. <laughs> did you also get that um, when they did the camel clutch into the drop kick, the crowd started doing the Taka chant of "Indeed." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a little foreshadowing for Zach Saber Jr. Absolutely. Lick, lick it up with uh, Taka. <laughs> it all started at chapter 15. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it all comes together. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like you said, Marty turns on Zach and they kind of start going at it. Uh, Rampage gets back in the mix. Marty amazingly hits a UFO under Rampage oh, Brown. That so was. Good. How did he do that? <laughs> I, I still don't understand how that happened. Like Rampage <laughs> is twice the size, but. Marty's there with his hands at his waist and making him spin. Um, Zach, uh, eventually, he uh, kind of capitalizes on this by hitting a PK on a Marty Skrull. But then uh, Rampage is back up. He recovers from the UFO, clotheslines the shit out of uh, Zack Sabre Jr., and then hits him with a brutal pile driver for the win. So Rampage Brown gets the win and moves on to uh, face the champion. At the next chapter, um, pretty good stuff here. In yeah, my opinion. like I think this and um, the done matches are clearly the two best matches on the card, and they follow the same kind of suit. Just kind of mm-hmm. like balls to the wall. Psychology goes out the window a little bit, um, but 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 this one had a had a had a story, obviously, with the yeah. turn with Marty's girl, um, which which I think worked. And yeah, the and the crowd just ate it up. They like they know that that they're watching three of the best in the ring, and they just eat it up. Yeah, you know it's it's crazy. There's been a lot of great matches thus far through these chapters, but still, like chapter one, Marty Skrull versus Zack Saber Jr. might still be the top one. I mean, those guys are, and they would go on to face each other thousands of times. Yeah. So um, it would have been even better if it was in the ballroom and the yeah, it actually worked. <laughs> yeah that first chapter where it was like one hard cam and one <laughs> shitty little little camcorder <laughs> ringside that is like blurry and you had like 
the computers and screen. It was all a mess, <laughs> but, um, but man, if you thought there was shenanigans in that match, next match, RJ Singh versus Michael Gilbert. Uh, what are your thoughts on Michael Gilbert? Um, the Michael Gilbert character I thought was brilliant personally. Mm-hmm. Um, as you've seen throughout these um, chapters, a lot of what progress was great at was comedy wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and in front of that crowd that just loved getting pissed up and having a good time, it was perfect. Yeah. And have someone like Michael Gilbert come out with no music, no gimmicks needed and just wrestle was absolutely brilliant. Like it, it, to me, it was as smart a play as the kind of um, the anti-hardcore stuff that Foley did to the ECW crowd. ECW crowd yeah. did blood and guts, and Foley just wouldn't let them have it. And the Progress crowd wanted fun and no fun allowed here. <laughs> <laughs> no fun allowed. It was um, no fun allowed, Michael Gilbert. Um, <laughs> it's funny you you mentioned in the beginning how they didn't show entrances. But I think this is the one entrance they showed on this show. And it was because uh, Michael Gilbert just had no entrance music. He just walked out there. Yeah. Black trunks, black boots, uh, crowds chanting Gilbert. Gil. <laughs> oh, it's so good because he's like, that's so not what he wants. Like he's like you said, he's he's no gimmicks required. He's, yeah. he's Dean Malenko kind of guy. And I think that um, the guy who plays him, obviously, Mikey Whiplash, like he was perfect whilst doing his character that he that he bit on the crowd reactions enough to to get the crowd to like do it more but he didn't mm-hmm. make it like comedy like yeah he would have bit on everything that was happening to him it it would have veered into him being a comedy character he was brilliant at just keeping that line of right character of being like i'm just going to be a wrestler and i don't want anything to stop me from winning this 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 grappling match and <laughs> giving the crowd enough to to like you know have some back and forth yeah yeah exactly um so gilbert comes out there jim smallman who's uh doing the ring announcing says uh there's been a a, a bit of a, an amendment amendment to this match uh because it was originally supposed to be rj singh versus michael gilbert but it turns out it's actually going to be rj sting I'm sorry, the man they call <laughs> RJ Sting. <laughs> so fucking RJ Singh. I love RJ Singh. He comes out with the, the Sting face paint. He has the bat. He has a Sting t-shirt. Just comes out there doing the, oh, all, all of it. Um, that's Something that I did um, no was that I, obviously the reason that I think a lot of the entrances weren't included on on the service is because obviously it's copyrighted music right. and the one time that they played song it's metallica who are famously fine with with, with all their stuff being used right <laughs> <laughs> well they i mean they use a ton of i mean i know i guess they, they're kind of working together now but they use a ton of wwe music at least in the chapters they use fandango's music a yeah. few a few chapters ago um and then later we see some more but here we got rj sting uh, coming out there red hot. He uh, the match gets underway. RJ tries to lock in the Scorpion Deathlock, but uh, Michael Gilbert counters into his own uh, sharpshooter and uh, gets the quick tap. Like 
60 seconds into this. I'm like, wow, that was really that was a lot of hullabaloo for a 60 second match. I can't believe it's over. Yeah. But wait, Michael Gilbert wants an interview and uh, the crowd is chanting Grado at him. I guess they want Grado to come out and show him what's what. Um, but uh, Gilbert, he's uh, Gilbert's like, ah, you look like the Down syndrome version of Grado. It's a great line. Great line by old yeah, so, Michael Gilbert. So something that I said about like British wrestlers not being great on the mic. So obviously, <laughs> so obviously that like like that chant for, for Grado was not like not a planned chant. It's just something that the crowd wanted, and and like. Michael Gilbert had two seconds to kind of ad lib something if he wanted to. And that was what he came up with. And that's why, Brit- <laughs> that's why British guys shouldn't be given the mic. <laughs> you, you didn't think it was clever. <laughs> oh no. Well, that, that, that obviously, I mean, the crowd is not happy with that. They're not happy with RJ sting getting squashed. And I know you're who you're thinking. You're like, man, we need some hero to come save us from Michael Gilbert. Who is that hero? Well, of course, it's got to be Sin Cara. <laughs> <sighs> the music plays. I, 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 it doesn't even like click in my mind that it's Sin Cara's music because it's been so long since I've heard it. I was like, this, yeah. that music sounds familiar. <laughs> RJ Singh comes back out and he has a, a Sin Cara mask on. Um, he like makes he's like, Goes to like trampoline into the ring, but there's obviously no trampoline. So he's like, well, where is it? You know, the whole thing. Jim Smallman on commentary is like, man, I'm surprised he hasn't gotten injured yet as he's like walking to the ring. Um, so Sin Cara's in here going one on one with Michael Gilbert now. And uh, so Sin Cara, he's uh, he's he's doing the Lucha Libre thing. He's, he's flying all over the place. Uh, he goes to the top rope. The crowd chants, please don't botch. Please don't botch. <laughs> he, uh, he doesn't botch because, well, it's not actually Sin Cara, so he doesn't botch. Uh, he goes for a swanton but misses. Michael Gilbert locks in an arm bar for another quick tap out. Um, so Gilbert gets another win here, but uh, he wants to continue with his interview here because obviously he's on a roll with these zingers. So he's got to keep that momentum going. Cause he's, he's just, he's that silver tongue devil. This Michael Gilbert is, um, Gilbert starts talking some more. The crowd the crowds chanting, shut the fuck up at him over and over again. And then, uh, we have a third match here. The original RJ Singh comes out, uh, going back to whatever chapter it was chapter one or two, when he had like the director with him and all that, he was like a Bollywood guy because I guess all Indians are Bollywood apparently according to wrestling. Um, so RJ Singh is out here. They have another match. Uh, RJ locks in the ethnic submission, but, uh, Michael Gilbert fights out of it into a rear naked choke and gets another tap out. So RJ <laughs> has now lost three times to Michael Gilbert. And um, this brings out sticks because we needed some more sticks on this show. Um, to me, I, I thought originally this was supposed to be like a confrontation between sticks and Michael Gilbert. I thought they were going to like yeah. build a match between those two. They had a little stare down there. Michael Gilbert kind of backs off. But really, that's not the story at all. The story is uh, sticks and RJ Singh. But before we get into that little confrontation, uh, what do you think about all these shenanigans in this in these series of matches? I guess. Um, 
again, it's perfect. It was a guy who doesn't believe in wrestling should be fun. Wrestling shouldn't be about characters. It should be just, you know, two guys grappling mm-hmm. and see. He out. hates your podcast, probably. He hates our podcast. Yeah. I, I bet. Um, but he's not welcome because he says some terrible things. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, like for me, b- booking wise, this was absolutely perfect. You got, you had people loving on RJ Singh, even though he lost three times in this match. And um, like a lot of serious wrestling fans would be like, fuck that guy. He's a dweeb. Mm-hmm. Like, the progress crowd is about fun, especially at this point. And they probably love him even more after this because of the like laughs that he gave the crowd. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then also it allowed Gilbert to, you know, do his thing and slowly kill three characters that he feels in, in wrestling there shouldn't be. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and it also actually allowed the crowd to actually say to Gilbert that like, like you're also one because obviously like, wrestling fans are smarts and they have to try and, you know, ruin things. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. Um, but yeah, like for me, um, I thought it was perfect. Um, you got the fun stuff with the sting and Sinkara, And then you also got to see RJ Singh as the character that he started the journey in progress with, with the return mm-hmm. of the professor. I think he's called. Right. Yeah, definitely. Like, Michael Gilbert here, I think, is the perfect kind of foil for progress at this point, because like you said, it's a lot of there's a lot of comedy involved. So he kind of provides that kind of juxtaposition. And it's just an easy guy to hate at this point, especially against somebody like RJ Singh, who's so beloved by the crowd here. Yeah. Um, So it's for what it set out to do. I thought it was I thought it was great. I thought it was really entertaining. Um, But man. After the match, yeah, like I said, Sticks is out here. RJ Sinks is still in the ring. He just lost three times. Man, was the tea spilt in this in this segment here. So Sticks grabs a mic. By the way, I guess Sticks and RJ Singh are really close. I think the commentary said that one of them was like the best man in the other's wedding or something like that. Yes, that was um, mentioned by the wrestlers, I think. Um, right, yes, you're right. Um, Oh. Yeah, so I, like I don't think that British wrestlers, um, the British wrestling fans would have known the backstory between these two guys. Yeah. So like the crossover between kind of two like early two thousands British scene and what was here in what twenty thirteen fourteen twenty fourteen yep um like I don't think it was too too high like I don't think many people would have been watching British wrestling when these two started. Mm-hmm. So I think that they did a brilliant job of kind of laying out the land of this story in this promo. Yeah. So the story basically is that, um, sticks and this kind of, like we said earlier, this plays off of sticks earlier match where he was like kind of playing to the comedy aspect of it, but he was like trying to be serious as much as he could. Um, but like the, the shenanigans kind of got the best of them. And that's kind of been his downfall thus far in progress. Yeah. So sticks is out here. He's still obviously frustrated from his loss earlier. And now he just watched his friend RJ Singh, basically in his words, kind of make a mockery of the whole thing. Obviously he's treating this like a joke. Um, 
he basically, because RJ Singh, I guess, is a full-time teacher. So Sticks at one point is like, you got a teach, uh, cushy teacher job to fall back on. I, this is all I have kind of deal. Yeah. Um, so RJ uh, retorts by saying, oh, you're just pissed that you traveled to America for a woman and then you guys got divorced. So I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, this escalated quickly. Um, and says RJ's like, you're only good for rolling a pram around. And uh, is a pram is a pram a uh, a stroller? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wanted to make sure I have that right. <laughs> Got the lingo down. But then uh, Sticks uh, replies and says uh, that RJ is only here uh, because he fits the ethnic market. So okay. All right, Sticky. Um, and Sticks is like, if you ever bring up my daughter again, I'm gonna slap the piss out of you. And then uh, what does RJ do? Well, he brings up his daughter again. And then lo and behold, he gets the piss slapped out of him by Styx. Um, so Styx and RJ have a pull apart here after all the personal attacks at each other. Styx grabs the mic again um, and basically challenges him to a match at Chapter 16. And if RJ loses, he has to quit wrestling because uh, he only does it for fun. So if I beat you, you have to quit wrestling. RJ then grabs the mic. He says he accepts, but only if Sticks puts his career on the line as well. So that sets up a uh, a career versus career match at Chapter 16. And look, I went into this not knowing that these guys had any association with each other at all. But coming out of it, even though the segment like was like comedically long, like I think it set up a, a really deep story between these two, and it made me invested in their match at the next chapter. So all in all, I think it was an effective little interaction there. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I want to go further on that and say, I think that's the best promo in British wrestling up until this point. Really? Like, I can't tell you how little like this sort of stuff happens in British wrestling, um, mm-hmm. like independent wrestling. Like it just doesn't happen. Um, and to be there live and watching it, it was like, God, like they're actually doing a like a promo that sets up a match. Like that yeah. sort of stuff just doesn't happen over here. Um, and I think that the fact that it was brave enough to kind of be a kind of like work shoot and the crowd, annoyingly, they still like the crowd did do like the Jerry, Jerry kind of like, oh, this is just like, you know, soap opera stuff. But for yeah. someone that like wouldn't mind these these wrestlers actually doing a, a lot more of this because like I've said in the past, like it's it's probably the one thing that British wrestlers struggle with the most. And and even in, in NXT UK, it's a great show and I love it, but it's very much reliant on the wrestlers telling stories in the ring. And yeah. the promo work that that is done is so kind of like just kind of base level. It's very short and to the point. It's often like more like there'll be vignettes like um, Gallus will be in like in a pool hall. Like it'll be like simple kind of dialogue based around like the environment they're in. Exactly. So for these two guys to come in, as you say, and not have anyone know the backstory and to and to come in and do what they did, I think was absolutely amazing. And I think that it needs to be seen by more people. Like I generally think that that performance by both of them was amazing yeah no it was I, I would agree i mean as far as what i've seen 
from progress is definitely the best promo stuff that I've seen thus far. Maybe a close second would actually another segment involving sticks, but it was between him and Nathan Cruz, which might have been. Was that chapter nine? Yeah, 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 that that, that was Nathan Cruz because he's probably by far the best guy on the mic, at least at this point. Um, but yeah, sets up that match at chapter 16 and uh, good, good stuff by both those guys. Yeah. Um, but following that, we have uh, our second triple threat number one contenders match. Uh, so the winner of this match will join Rampage and the champion in a title match at the next chapter. So this match is Dave Mastiff versus El Ligero versus Martin Stone. For anybody not aware, that is Danny Birch. So, uh, man, what a uh, what a NXT UK early days kind of kind of match we got here. Isn't Martin Stone here um, a lot more kind of like it like is like his character at, like as a heel and he's and he's a lot and he's a lot more built, isn't he? Like he's yeah. another one that seems to have gone down. I don't know exactly if he's gone down the same diet route that Dunn has, but he seems to have leaned down a lot and it doesn't quite yeah. is imposing. But 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 in this match, he just looks like like the hooligan at the pub that you don't want to step on his toe. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. He's, he's in there with his pants and his like black tank top. He's like a, like a street bare knuckle fighter kind of yeah. guy. Yeah. I guess that's what he's trying to do. But um, yeah, I mean, he, he looks like you said, he looks pretty big here. Pretty, pretty intimidating. He's almost like kind of being like built as like a, a powerhouse. At least that's kind of how he was uh, portrayed in this match. Yeah. Like for example, so you got, there's one point where like Dave Mastiff and Martin Stone like take turns doing the whole British Bulldog delayed vertical suplex onto El Ligero, but they like interrupt each other and they're like, no, I'm doing it. No, I'm doing it kind of deal. Yeah. Um, but uh, ultimately, Ligero kind of takes advantage of it uh, as the two powerhouses kind of go back and forth. He uh, Ligero hits a, a top rope plancha on the Mastiff, gets in the ring hits a springboard DDT on a Martin Stone, which is his finisher, but he only gets a two count. Um, Leguero goes back to the top rope, but then Michael Gilbert is back, um, distracts Leguero. I don't I, I don't remember if they've built to this. So that's something that we didn't actually mention. Um in the in the um in between where RJ Singh was changing characters backstage, mm-hmm. um, when when Gilbert wasn't slagging off people with Down syndrome. <laughs> he was he was um he was mentioning that like wrestling is a, like isn't about characters and he says like like it like it's not about the Grados and the RJ Sings and the El Ligero. So he actually mm-hmm. does preempt this in that. Right. And now that I'm thinking about it, I think he actually did cost Ligero a match at a previous chapter against Tommy End. So I guess they have uh some beef there. But um so Ligero, he's on the top rope. He sees Michael Gilbert coming out. So Leguero decides to uh, just jump onto Michael Gilbert cross body from the top rope. And they kind of fight in the aisle way. They fight to the back. And that pretty much takes out Leguero from this match because he's dealing with uh, Michael Gilbert here. Yeah. Uh, so, so now it's just Martin Stone and Dave Mastiff in the ring. Uh, Mastiff, it's a deadlift German onto Martin Stone. Really impressive. Uh, Birch kind of fight or uh, Martin Stone fights back a little bit. Hits some lariats. Um, but ultimately gets caught with a cannonball in the corner from Dave Mastiff into the void is what he calls it now. I don't know what he called it at this point. Um, but Big just, Dave gets the win here. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, just a big lad just tossing his body at you. Uh, but Mastiff gets the win here, and uh, so it'll be him and Rampage and whoever the champion is. So that's going to be a lot of meat, a lot of big sweaty men slapping meat in that match. Yeah, yeah. Biggie will be happy. Yes, he will. <laughs> there was there was what there was two moves in that match, kind of back to back, that kind of um, set up for me was the. Um, where um, Liguero did like the jumping nothing and Stone caught him into a Ace Crusher. That would look really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the jumping nothing. <laughs> and uh, then th- then he did a code red on Mastiff. And Mastiff is obviously mm-hmm. so much bigger than him that he just slammed him on, on like onto his own balls and was like, <laughs> <laughs> he had to like roll, like roll out the ring and be like, I need a few minutes, guys. <laughs> man, I couldn't imagine having that man land on your balls. <laughs> oh, you got you have like his asshole in your face. There's, there's no good way to to hit that. I don't know. He probably should have used another move in his repertoire <laughs> yeah. for that. Oh, and psychology. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, good match here. Probably not as good as the other triple threat, but um, no, solid. There was, uh, guy, there was one guy in the crowd that just hated Martin Stone. Yeah, fun. nobody nobody really seemed to like Martin Stone here. I don't know what the beef is with old my boy Danny, but uh Yeah, so so like Martin Stone was a was a wrestler who was like one of the few wrestlers pre kind of the the like boom of British wrestling that was a success in mm-hmm. the British scene. Um and then he was a big part of Rev Pro. So I don't know whether some 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 progress fans would like you know you're like you're a ref pro guy and you're and you're in the ballroom mm. and like you're not welcome here um even can't though, have that it, it, even though the the whole the whole thing of progress was was everyone welcome unless you work for ref pro <laughs> <laughs> i think that's their tagline <laughs> <laughs> um but that brings us to the main event so we uh touched on this earlier so it's an eight-man tag we have the team of noam dar Will Ospreay and FSU, which is Eddie Dennis and Mark Andrews, versus the team of Regression, which is a faction comprised of Jimmy Havoc, the London Riots, and Paul Robinson. So this is a titles versus careers match. So the stakes are a bit contrived, but um, I'll try to lay it out here. So basically, so you have Jimmy Havoc is the progress champion, FSU are the uh, tag team champions and Will Ospreay, of course, is the Thunder Bastard, which is uh, essentially Mr. Money in the Bank. So basically, if you are a champion or a Thunder Bastard and you lose, you lose your title and or your Thunder Bastard. Um, if you are not a champion, you're gone from progress if you lose. And this only applies to the person that takes the pinfall, I guess. Um and I guess if you're a ch- and, uh they didn't really cover like who wins the title if they lose, but it doesn't really matter in hindsight. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, this match is, I mean, most of it we mentioned earlier, it, it's a, it's eight man tag. It gets off red hot right from, from the beginning. Um, we laid out the backstory. It's very personal vendetta between all these guys. Um, so it turns into a street fight, it's just chaos from the beginning. Uh, really good intensity from everybody involved. Uh, they're fighting. They fight in the ring for a little bit, but eventually it makes its way to the aisle way. Like you have Noam Dar and uh, Mark Andrews, Eddie Dennis. They're all doing planchas and all t- sorts of flips to the outside. 
Um, they fight in the aisle way. And uh, so it's just a lot of guys just throwing punches and all that. And then all of a sudden, you see Will Ospreay and Jimmy Havoc fighting on the balcony that's by the, the stage area. So we got some Lion King bullshit over here where like every each guy's trying to knock the other one off. And uh, eventually Jimmy Havoc, he's like hanging by the ledge. Will Ospreay hits a super kick on the Jimmy Havoc and Havoc falls off the balcony onto a pile of bodies, which are the other lads involved in this match. Um, and then Osprey follows us up. Well, he's not just going to walk down the stairs to get to him. He, he has to channel his inner super crazy, does a moonsault off the balcony onto everybody. Like, just crazy. You, and you said you were there for this, yeah. right? Like, like... I told you previously that, I, that, that that like my jaw dropped at the fact that I saw a promo. So to see this, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you had a low bar going into this. You, so somebody jumping from 20 feet in the air is, Oh my God. Can't even, can't even process <laughs> yeah. this. Um, yeah. It was a, a, like, it was like the pandemonium that was happening on the screen captured exactly what it was like being there live. Um, and obviously being there live, like it's like, it was a shame that um, it, didn't show the regression entrance because the heat that those guys had at, like for that entrance was so amazing to like be there live. I bet. Um, the, the crowd hate, hated, hated them. And then obviously it goes all around the ring. Um, from where we, we were stood live, we couldn't really see much free them getting back into the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we had the, the classic um, chant of like, this sounds awesome. Um, it's not as bad as the garage but it's still pretty uh pretty rough um and then when they came like sauntering towards us um and then we looked up and then we saw like people falling off the balcony and stuff yeah it (laughs) it just felt like like we would like like we'd already seen what was a a a very stellar card up up until now but like Mm -hmm the story here is so well built and how you got like, like the face off at the start, how you say how they started off in the ring, how Noam Dar was facing off with Havoc because he had something from the last chapter to do with him. Mm-hmm. Um, Robinson was facing off with um, Osprey. Osprey because obviously he turned on him. And then you had the two tag teams that were fighting over the titles. Yeah. Like the story was so well built and like, like the excitement in the room for, this happening it felt akin to kind of when um for the first time the shield and the white family faced off it, it felt that like kind of oh my god yeah, yeah. The, the standoff like regression comes out yeah um the, the baby face the baby faces are already in the ring like you said it's kind of that similar standoff to the shield and the white family and um it sounds like a lot of chaos and it was but like you said there was intent and uh reasoning behind what was happening you had the people that had vendettas against each other fighting off so it was it was chaos but it was controlled chaos yeah. if that makes any sense and then once and then once they got into the ring previous to the um balcony spots like osprey took the took took all the heat and he was a, a brilliant seller um even, like even like even at this point mm-hmm. and matched up against the intensity and the and the charisma of the hill havoc who was just in his element here like you yeah. can just tell that he loved getting spat on <laughs> by 700 oh. people like 
He yeah. just absolutely relished it, and he was so good at it. Um, there was one point where Osprey was beaten so much that he like drags his lifeless body to the other corner, and Havoc knocks his partners off off the ropes, goes <laughs> onto his side of the rope, and takes the tag. Yeah. <laughs> Osprey thinking that he's tagged out, and then <laughs> Havoc gets into the ring and does like the baby face. Come on to the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> down on Osprey. Like, such a that hot tag, brother. <laughs> He's so good at being a cunt. He, yeah. <laughs> um, should mention at one point, so after that balcony spot, uh, it was actually ruled a count out um, yeah. because uh, they were fighting on the outside for fucking forever. Uh, but Jim Smallman's like, I think th- I think he says, uh, I'll give a fuck about the rules. Uh <laughs> What does he say? He's like, he calls somebody a cunt. Hey, you cunt. I don't, I don't give a fuck about the rules. Uh, he's just so matter of fact about it. It's hilarious. But um, <laughs> basically restarts the match and, and it basically says it's a street fight. Um, and like you said, it kind of works its way back into the ring. Osprey takes a beating for a long time. Like you mentioned, uh, there's, there's one point where uh, Havoc, he's going for an Alabama slam on the Osprey. But Osprey counters it into a Canadian destroyer, which looks brutal. Um, and following this, Mark Andrews goes for a shooting star press onto Havoc to try to get the win. But that goddamn Paul Robinson, that little rat, Paul Robinson, pulls the referee out of the ring to stop the count. Um, and it's at this point where chaos begins to ensue once again. Everybody's kind of getting in there, hitting their finishers. Uh, FSU hits their little next stop driver, double stomp, double team. Uh, everyone's getting in there. The riots are just battering everybody. At one point, Havoc hits the Rainmaker onto Noam Dar. Uh, almost almost gets the win there, but it's only a two count. Um, then uh, at one point after that, Noam grabs the chair, goes to hit Havoc with it. Uh, but Havoc pulls James Davis in front of him, his partner. He pulls his own partner in front of him. And Davis gets cracked in the head with this. Yeah. That was a brutal chair shot that yeah. just rang throughout the ballroom. Being there live uh, for that, it sounded like a gunshot. Like, yeah, good lord! Like, I, I'm not particularly great at watching stuff like that now because, like, even like, like even mm-hmm. our like national sport football slash soccer for you guys, like, there's there's like talk about even like heading being banned from football because it's got real links with like out like um alzheimer's and like oh really and like to, to, to like see a guy just kind of allow his brain to be scrambled by a steel chair it's just for he was probably paid like i don't know 100 quid for this like <laughs> that's a lot of quid <laughs> I, I, I hate letting my quid go away but you know i try to i try to save my quid everybody <laughs> um <laughs> uh but yeah but he does he doesn't want to take the chair shot no he, no he gets pulled in front of it he he takes the bullet for his buddy jimmy havoc here um so uh james davis he's he's laid out uh osprey comes in super kicks jimmy havoc takes him out of the match um or he, he super kicks him and then havoc is laid next to james davis basically Oh yeah. no, they're on top of each other. I think Havoc is actually on top of James Davis here after that super kick. And there's actually and there's actually a really nice story beat here where um um Andrews basically tells Osprey, no like um 
I won't win the title. You can win the title. And says like, you go up on the ring. And that's because I think didn't, um, didn't like he put him in the MPS. Yeah. Yeah. So Andrews was the first winner of the natural progression series. And he gets, he got to choose a person to be in the next year's one. And then he chose, like you said, Will Ospreay. And then Ospreay got screwed out of his match basically by Paul Robinson. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a good tidbit of storytelling there, Mark Andrews. Remember, remember, whoever pins, if somebody pins Jimmy Havoc, I guess they win the staff. Yeah. Um, so uh, Osprey goes to the top. On the floor, you have James Davis. You have Jimmy Havoc laying on top of him. Osprey goes for the 630, but Paul Robinson pulls out Jimmy Havoc. It doesn't give a fuck about James Davis. He leaves him. Osprey lands the 630 on the James Davis, and... Gets the pin. So Osprey pins James Davis. So what this means is that the London riots are gone from progress. And uh, so the baby faces kind of celebrate. They leave. The music cuts off. Jim Smallman, who has uh, quite the beef with these London riots, because the riots have basically been causing uh, havoc, pardon the pun, <laughs> on, on progress. Um, kind of been holding the company hostage in certain ways. They've been just running roughshod. So Jim Smallman, he grabs the mic. He's looking at the riots who are basically like just sitting in the ring, distraught after losing and being kicked out of progress. Jim Smallman's basically like, yeah, now, now your mates are gone. Well, where are your mates now? After you, now, now that you're losers or however, you know, he <laughs> talks. <laughs> yeah. I just like, I just thought that, that that this match was fantastic. Like being there live, it was almost too mm-hmm. chaotic to really take in all the like all, like all the story beats, and you can really see all the action. Like for example, from where we were stood, we couldn't actually see that um, David's that um, Havoc was slid out. So we just mm-hmm. thought that oh, Osprey's won the title. <laughs> um, yeah, but like watching it back, like they hit so many brilliant story beats and. The match itself is so like frenetic and fun and every mm-hmm. character in it plays a part and is better off for being in it. Um, yeah, yeah. In some ways it like reminds me of like attitude era main events where it wouldn't be like wrestling. Like it, they, they weren't there to be the wrestling matches. They were there to be like the storytelling elements are there. The major, the stakes involved, the chaos, you know, whether it's weapons or whatever it is. And that's what this match was. It was a lot of shenanigans. It was a lot of, obviously, weapons, fighting on the outside, frenetic energy, like you said. And uh, the crowd was into it. You you and everybody else were into it every step of the way, even if you couldn't see what was happening. So, um, yeah, I, th- this main event was red hot. Yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah, and classic wrestling fandom of, like, you've hated these guys for six chapters and you've sworn at them and you spat at them for a year and a half and then they get fired and then you start chatting their name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how it works. Right. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Cause basically it, at least it seems to me that this kind of is, is designed to build tension between the riots and Jimmy Havoc. This is what I'm assuming based off of what happens here. So it's almost like a little bit of sympathy being built for the London London riots, which is bizarre given how uh, they've yeah. been built so far, but it was effective. So yeah. I can't really hate it too much, but it, it left me curious 
as to what will happen in later chapters. So very successful on that front. Yeah, and they've and now that and now they've set up um, havoc against Brown and Mastiff, and like, yeah, how is he going to survive that? So yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so great stuff in progress as always. Um, but that brings the show to a close. So yeah, any other like overall thoughts on uh, chapter fifteen? Uh, no, not like nothing more than what I've said. Really, just beyond the fact that it it just highlighted to me how much fun those shows were um yeah both both live and watching on on the service that progress had um so we all had the the the, like the service and after the matches would finish we we'd have to wait to like two like two or three weeks to watch it back but we always would Mm -hmm. we'd have like viewing parties and stuff like we were just so into it and yeah i can see why we were looking back um it felt like Britain was b- becoming an epicenter of good wrestling and they were telling stories and yeah, like obviously it became something maybe too big for what it started off with the intention of being. And the biggest kind of takeaway from progress is probably NXT UK and that's got its own issues from mm-hmm. people in the, in the British wrestling scene. But uh, the likes of me and you who who still watch the, uh, that show i think um that progress whether it be whether it comes back or not like you have to look back at that kind of bubble that it was in for two or three four years and just say like mm-hmm. wow like you've got and like just go back and enjoy these things right yeah it's just so fun to watch i mean like it, it reminds me of like watching ring of honor back in the day it just felt like its own like you said, it felt like a bubble that was kind of independent of other wrestling. It's easy watches every time I turn on these chapters. So, uh, yeah. great stuff. Great I'm always stuff quite intrigued um, with your other podcasts on progress with different podcasters, um, hearing their thoughts on the early shows. And it seems pretty much universally liked. Yeah. Yeah. I've even had people on that have never watched progress before and they're like always they they say it was a great show, it's easy watch, and uh, yeah. I, I think that's even yeah, a more testament to the quality when you can just jump in on a random chapter and chapter and enjoy it, yeah, yeah. Um, independent of the storylines. But a fun show. But speaking of fun, I think wrestling should be fun. Where can <laughs> the <laughs> wrestling should be fun podcast? Where can everybody find you guys and listen to you guys? Yeah, sure. So, um, well, wrestling should be fun. Um, with a group of about core of about four of us that tend to be on this on the weekly shows, um, we're we're, we're a podcast that, that are available on uh, SoundCloud, Apple, and Spotify. Um, we basically talk about the the week's wrestling that just was. Then we have a roundtable where each of the people are allowed to bring one um, question or um, a kind of a theme, and we just uh, talk around that um, for about half an hour, which is fun. And then we also have Book of Bingo, which is a fun little game where a big old spreadsheet of wrestlers, male and female. Um, so there could be an intergender matches and it throws up a match and then we have to book a feud. Um, Kyle was part of it um, on his episode. I think we did, was it Conan? It was Conan and Tamina. And Tamina. <laughs> had, to build, had to build a hot feud between Conan and Tamina. <laughs> no, that was 
that, that your, your guys podcast is hilarious. It was a great time when I was on it. It was very, I've never been put in that scenario where I had to <laughs> book a feud, especially between those two. <laughs> what was the last one? It was like, um, Oh my God. What was it? The, the last Booker bingo you guys did. Um, Zaya Brookside against Hikuleo. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> I would have been lost on that. I'm, I'm so glad I wasn't on that episode. <laughs> man um, so yeah uh, that, that's our podcast we're available mostly on a friday um we try and do every week um sometimes we sometimes we miss a week um but yeah and then we're, we're also very much up for being on other people's podcasts so reach out to us on our socials which is instagram is at wrestling should be fun and twitter is at wsbfun a great a great social media follow by the way, anybody listening to your guys, I don't know who controls. Is it Don that controls your Instagram? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you guys, Twitter is great too. Like, it's all good. Don was on my, uh, one of my ROH episodes. That was a really good one too. So you guys do a lot of fun stuff over there as, as per your show title, I guess. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> um, we're, um, we're quite rare in the wrestling industry, um, like social sphere that we just try and be positive and try and make you laugh. That's how two can't have that. <laughs> that's no nope, nope. key themes <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so everybody go check that out and uh yeah man thanks thanks once again for coming on no problem at all thanks for having me on and i look forward to, to being on, an, on on a future progress uh, podcast at some point soon once again thank you to ross from the wrestling should be fun podcast for joining me and progressing on <laughs> in progress wrestling. Go check them out wherever you listen to podcasts or at wrestling should be fun.com. Follow them on social media on Twitter at WSB fun or on Instagram at wrestling should be fun. Always a good time with those guys, whoever it is that I uh, do shows with, whether it's Ross Brum Dom or any of those guys. Uh, always a hoot with those cheeky blokes. Uh, go check out their podcast because I was on an episode as well. Actually, episode 24, I was lucky enough to uh, be a guest on their show. And it was a great time. I, I, we mentioned in the episode, but we got to uh, book a whole program between Tamina and Conan. So that's the kind of stuff you'll see <laughs> on their show. But uh Go check that out. Check me out at apronbump.com for all my full episodes. Make sure to go subscribe on YouTube as well. The video versions, of course, are on YouTube as well. So go check those out. Give it a like. Give it a give it a subscribe. Ring the bell. Uh, lick my balls. Uh, you know all the normal um, all the normal uh, actions that you would take to uh, support a creator on YouTube. So. Uh, do that or don't be an asshole, I guess, you know, if you want. And uh, yeah, fuck you, bitch. I don't know why I'm ending this episode in a uh, in a hostile note like this, but uh, fuck you, I guess. I don't know. Um, I'm still figuring out how to end episodes. <laughs> well, that's all I got. Uh, thanks for stopping by, uh, I guess. I don't know. Thank you <laughs> once again for listening I'm hard yeah.